Bangor Worldwide has been promoting and supporting World Mission for over 85 years. Our podcasts are free of charge. You can find out more about us at www.worldwidemission.org. We hope you enjoy this talk. Well, good evening, and thank you for this opportunity to share. Um, In this service this evening, you may be wondering from my accent where exactly I'm from. Um, Let me reassure you, I was born in the Port Rush area nearly 50-odd years ago, but I've spent more than half of my life now living in England. And actually, a lot of my life has been travelling these most recent years. Uh, And I wonder what cultural mishaps some of you may have inadvertently made when you've been travelling, perhaps on holiday. I know that up until recently I have visited missionaries in Turkey at least once a year for many, many years, and that meant travelling an awful lot by dolmish. Now, a dolmish is like a shared minibus, only they, they seem to hunt in packs. They don't come in ones, and you might be standing by the side of the road, and two or three of these things will race up to you at the same time. Now, it wasn't until quite some years into travelling in Turkey that I I really came to understand the puzzled looks of some of the Dolmush drivers when I was standing in front of them. You see, as a Dolmush uh, or two or three would screech to a halt in front of me, um, the the driver would just look at me expectantly uh, and I would just kind of stop and I'm thinking, I'm not quite sure if I want to get on this or not. Um, so, So I would just shake my head to send him on his way. It was only some time later that I discovered that the way you would say no politely in Turkish is to raise your eyebrows and tut. Something like that. That seems very rude to us, doesn't it? Something like that. And really, by shaking my head, I was saying, I don't know. But actually, by shaking it confidently, well, that was just completely confusing. And, And the driver would just mutter something under his breath, angrily, and drive off at speed to try and find the next person standing by the side of the road. And likewise, on first reading... You might ask if there are mixed messages with these opening verses in Romans. That the Apostle Paul, writing to the Christians in Rome, says in verse 15, I am so eager to preach the gospel to you also. But wait a second, back up. I mean, these are Christians, aren't they? Paul is writing to the church at Rome, isn't he? So why does he want to preach the gospel to the church? Well, let's see if I've got this straight. Look with me at verse 7. It's in the the handout you've got this evening. Verse 7, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. In verse 8, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. So not only are they Christians, but they're infamous for their faith in the Lord Jesus. And Paul is eager to preach the gospel to them. Can that make any sense? And this eagerness of Paul's isn't, it's not a whim, it's not a passing thought. At the end of verse 9, we read, Without ceasing, I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. Verse 15, So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are at Rome. So it appears that the gospel, the account of the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and why that was necessary, the gospel, the gospel preached isn't only for those of us who aren't Christians. It's for all of us. No matter how long we've been trusting in the Lord Jesus, 
or how infamous this church is perhaps for its faith in, in the Lord Jesus. The gospel is just as important now as it was in the first day that each one of us surrendered our lives in faith to the Lord Jesus. And that's why Crosslinks has as its two priorities. Number one, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ in order to make disciples of the Lord Jesus. And number two, training and equipping and enabling others to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ in order to make disciple-making disciples. The Apostle Paul wants the church at Rome here to be steeped in the gospel, partners in the gospel. Let's be clear, he wants other things for them too, like harmony between the Jewish and Gentile believers. But this evening, we're going to concentrate on the gospel ambitions that Paul has for the church at Rome. Like us, the gospel has clearly reached them. But like us only, also, only when it permeates their whole being, will it change their outlook on themselves, their outlook to each other in the church, and change their outlook to others who are not yet Christians. And so, like a, like a mini-manifesto, Paul lays out his convictions, his unshakable belief, here in verses 16 and 17. And that's where we're going to be spending our time this evening. Verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. There are two things we can take away from this passage. Nothing is more important than the gospel proclaimed. And secondly, we all need to keep hearing the gospel proclaimed. Firstly, nothing is more important than the gospel proclaimed. Or perhaps I can express it a different way, is that there's nothing that we can do that is more powerful on earth than proclaiming, than speaking the words of the gospel. Notice though, let me go back a step, that Paul starts this mini-manifesto telling us that he's not ashamed of the gospel. And that might have you asking the question, why on earth would anybody be ashamed of the gospel? But in a sense, that has always been the case, hasn't it? That doing things, sometimes signs and wonders, always seem more impressive than words. But the gospel is most definitely words, and words are what God chooses to use. We've heard it said, haven't we, that the pen is mightier than the sword. But this is so much more than that. When God speaks, things happen. Even from the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis 1, verse 3, and God said, let there be light. He said that, and there was light. Now, I could say, Alexa, switch on the lights. Now, we're being live-streamed. It's pretty probable that someone's home right now. The lights have been switched on. I'm guessing that is the case. I can only apologize. Um, but that's, that's not me creating light. That's just a cheap stunt, switching on the lights in people's living rooms. But when God speaks, there was light. At a time when light wasn't even a thing. You see, the words of the gospel are powerful. They, they're the most powerful thing ever. If we try and get some perspective on this, can you imagine with me, close your eyes if you want, but imagine with me the most wonderful, the, the most spectacular fireworks display you've ever seen in your life. 
just picture the fireworks, wave after wave, cascade after cascade of, of fireworks building up to, to the big climax. It's getting louder and louder and faster and faster and faster. And, and now imagine me, at, at just before the climax, standing at the very back and saying, look at me, turn around, look at me, here, here, here I am, here I am, look at me. With, with, with my pathetic little party popper, can you imagine that compared to the, the light and the noise and the power of the fireworks, anything, everything else apart from the gospel is just my pathetic little party popper. It's just me standing at the back trying to say, look at me, look at me. So again, why do I say that the gospel is the most powerful thing ever? Well, read with me halfway through verse 16. It says, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. You see, when God speaks his own words, incredible things happen. But when we proclaim God's word, the gospel, he uses the words that come out of our mouths to make the most fantastic things happen. Instead of facing God's wrath, those who believe are made righteous in his sight. God has chosen no other way to take people from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Nothing else can prepare people for the, the, the wrath of God that they will face, that we read about in the rest of chapter 1 and right into chapter 2 of Romans. Nothing else can take people from death to life. Nothing else leads to salvation. Now, I can think of some very powerful things, but nothing Nothing is, is nearly as powerful as restoring a right relationship between me and God. Nothing is as powerful as allowing me to live in eternity in the presence of Almighty God himself. If there was any doing to be done, Jesus has already done it. If there was any great signs and wonders to be displayed, Jesus has already done them. Jesus died publicly on the cross for our sins that we might be right with God. Salvation is granted to those who believe, who believe in the words of the gospel and who trust in Jesus as our Lord and Saviour. And so the big takeaway is for us to never forget in all that we strive to do that speaking the gospel is how God has ordained the most powerful transformation, the biggest change possible in people's lives. And even at this time when we're coming out of the pandemic and I'm guessing if you're like me, you spent way too much time on Zoom. Uh, when you would rather be spending time face-to-face -face or ministering face-to-face -face with people. But even during that, the words of the gospel didn't cease to have their power. All across the world, since the beginning of lockdown, our mission partners at Crosslinks and many other organizations um, were running Christian Explorer courses, Alpha courses, Bible studies, things like that. And people were coming to them who wouldn't normally come anywhere near a church building. During that time, I heard of men and women becoming Christians through Zoom uh, Bible studies in Ireland and in Belgium and the Czech Republic and in France and many other countries. But I want to tell you about Martin. Martin attended an evangelistic Zoom course run by Diego, who was one of our mission partners in Chile. Now, he was one of 10 people who attended this evangelistic course. It was him who was respectful but it was him who always had Diego on the ropes. He was the one with the harsh questions. He was the one with the, the skepticism. But Diego writes this. Let me write what Diego wrote to me. In spite of this, he persevered. This is Martin through all of those weeks. 
And from recent conversations, I understood that from the beginning, he felt something captivating him from the biblical preaching of Jesus. Then, about two months ago, Martin decided to identify publicly as a Christian. Actually, Martin is a filmmaker, and he goes on to write, and he invited me, Diego, to host an online streaming of one of his new films, followed by online conversations. Now, there were 20 people joining the event, and it was only then, Martin writes, sorry, Diego writes, that I understood that, that he was not only a Buddhist, but he was a Buddhist teacher. Uh, of the 20 people, most of them were his followers, his disciples. And Martin said that he was now a Christian and that he wanted me to explain the gospel to them and said, you all need to sign up for this course. You need to hear the gospel for yourself. Uh, and most of them signed up to a study in Mark's gospel. Not even the pandemic that we've been through can dull the power of the gospel. But, but there are some people who are ashamed of the gospel, as Paul would say. So, so why do people swap the power of the gospel for something that's not even second best, not even third best or fourth best? Swapping the fireworks display for the, the, the puny little party popper? Well, I suspect it's because people have forgotten the simplicity of the gospel because they've added to it or they've taken away from it even to the point where it's no longer the gospel that was handed down to us. And this, and this leads to our second point, that we all need to keep hearing the gospel. We've heard that a dog is for life, not just Christmas, or perhaps more recently that a dog is for life, not just lockdown. But the gospel is also for life, not just to get us over the line. The gospel is not just to make us Christians to get on with the more important theology after that. We all need to keep hearing the gospel preached. We need to keep hearing it so that we get a right perspective on who we are and how we minister to others. The problem is that without continuing to hear the gospel preached, we as individuals, or perhaps we've seen that entire churches veer off course and into danger. I'm just back a couple of months from Kenya uh, I, was, I was visiting a number of folks there, but I spent some time talking with a pastor called Patrick Cyprian. He, he was one of our study partners we gave a bursary to many years ago. And I asked him about the gospel challenges that the church in Kenya faces. Uh, now, this is a country that is listed as 82% Christian. And Patrick said this to me, and this is what many other pastors had said as well, it was nothing different. He said, firstly, when faced with calamities such as droughts or floods, many Christians are being lured back to African traditional, tra traditional religions. That they're, make, they're going up to the mountains to make sacrifices, to appease the gods, to appease their ancestors, to ask for help. And the second thing, when, when the economic hardship that's been gripping Kenya gets too much for many Christians, they look in desperation to the prosperity gospel being taught in churches in every corner in order to solve the very, the very real problems that they have. And the reality is, in prosperity gospel churches, the only people who prosper are the, are the preachers. Never has there been a greater need to stand alongside gospel-minded churches in our town, in our country, across the world, to stand with them, to encourage them to stand fast and not to cave into the pressures, to subtract from or to add to the gospel. So is it any little wonder then that Paul is so keen to preach the gospel to the church at Rome so they get it straight in their head, that it translates from their heads to their hearts and to their whole beings? In verse 17, the apostle writes, 
For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. In in this this mini-manifesto, the Apostle Paul reminds us that righteousness, the very essence of God himself, the free gift of God, God reaching out to those who don't deserve it and giving us a right status before him, that that comes by faith alone. Faith that we can bring nothing to the table. Faith that we come completely empty-handed. There is nothing that we can do. Faith that it is entirely through Jesus' death on the cross in our place that our sins are forgiven, that they're dealt with. Faith that only by believing the gospel that God clothes us in righteousness and we can have a right relationship with God, our Lord and Maker. And we can't stop hearing this too much because left to our own devices, we're we're tempted to make it more complicated. And the more we do that, the less it resembles the gospel. We also need to keep hearing it because it reminds us that everyone else around us has been in the same situation as us. We all started in the same place. Or let me put it another way. We need to be reminded that we're really no different from anybody else next to us in this room, in this town, in this country, in this world. It is only the saving grace of the Lord Jesus that lifts us out of our wretched state, redeems us and grants us the position we now have as brothers and sisters with God as our Father. Paul says that the gospel came first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. Now we know that there were tensions between these two groups of believers in Rome. It's likely that the, that the Jewish believers with their, their knowledge and their tradition well, well, let's face it, they, they probably felt as if they were know-it-alls. They, they, they sort of, with their heritage, they would have thought themselves superior with the rest. But the gospel reminds us, doesn't it, that we all come from the same position of sinfulness, deserving God's punishment. And so we too need to remind ourselves that we are not better than anybody else in our church or in our town or on this planet, or in our... The gospel brings us back to the point of seeing that we only have the immeasurable riches that God bestows upon us. We only have that when we realise that we don't deserve it. We only have it when we realise we don't deserve it, when we realise that we are unworthy. And and it's easy to look at the rest of the world, perhaps, and forget our common fallenness. (coughs) At Crosslinks, this is our 100th year. We're celebrating it in, in October this year. And as you can imagine, I spent time searching the archives uh, and reading about all sorts of wonderful things. Now, the the sort of things that wouldn't be acceptable nowadays, like Maggie, the BCMS elephant in Burma. Maggie was the elephant that that brought the mail from one station to another during the wet season. And and actually, when when the Japanese were invading, rescued hundreds of people before eventually deciding her job was done and she just left and walked home, whether the missionaries liked it or not. But as I read accounts from those times as well, I read in, in our newsletters right from the beginning of, of taking the gospel to the heathen of Borneo or to the heathen of Africa. Now, of course, that was the language of the time. But in the days of the empire, when, when the British felt superior in more, one, in more than one way, and perhaps the gospel came with a civilizing culture, to the people they were reaching. Now, it's easy for me to read a lot into that old-fashioned language and to, to, to look at it and, and criticise with hindsight. 
But it doesn't always reflect the gospel message, does it? That we are intrinsically no better than others. The, the, the reformers refrain of faith alone. So not only is there a need to preach the gospel to those who have not heard it across the world, there is a pressing need to stand alongside our brothers and sisters by training and equipping those who will proclaim the gospel so that they keep it straight in their heads in their own countries. And to do this, to do this, what we need are men and women who don't think of themselves as superior or cleverer. They're not know-it-alls. Nothing like that. Instead, what we need is humbled people, trusting entirely in the Lord Jesus. People who continue to listen to the gospel. People who are steeped in the gospel to the point that they identify with the sinful origins that we all have. They really see that they started off in a position no better than the people they're trying to share the gospel with. And that it is entirely the Lord's grace and mercy that saves us. So let us pray for ourselves, brothers and sisters, that we may never feel the need to move on from the gospel. Let us pray that the gospel will, will be continued to be preached and proclaimed here in Dollingstown and beyond to the ends of the earth. Let us pray for men and women from this church and from others who are saturated in the gospel, who will proclaim it throughout the world. And you might even ask yourself tonight if that might be you. It's not a hard sell. But ask yourself before the Lord. But let us remind ourselves that nothing on earth is more powerful than the gospel proclaimed. And let us continue, let us resolve to continue to keep proclaiming the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ at home and throughout all of the world. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the Lord Jesus who came that we might have a way to be right with you. Thank you also for the gospel that has been passed down from generation to generation to us for our salvation and to proclaim to others. May we never be ashamed of that gospel, but continue faithfully proclaiming it to those who have yet to call you Lord and to those who already know you, know you as Lord and Saviour. And we pray in the precious name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. We trust you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to make a donation to support the work of Bangor Worldwide, please visit www.worldwidemission.org slash donate.